Hello, football fans. Welcome to That Football Show. All right. The Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals are playing for the Super Bowl championship this year. Uh, Recording this on February the 9th, 2022. That game is on Sunday the 13th. This is... Quite a day. I am a Bengals fan, so I honestly never thought I I would be able to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals going to a Super Bowl, especially after the last few years that they've had. You know, just a a couple years ago, they had the the quarterback turmoil with Andy Dalton. They pushed him aside. They won two games. Uh, Number one overall pick, they drafted Joe Burrow, typically the number one overall pick goes to the worst team. That's exactly what happened that season. Bengals were sluggish start. They got a couple of decent games under their belt. Uh, Ended up losing Joe Burrow for the season with a blown out knee. I think they won four games that season and uh, came out with a fourth overall pick and drafted Jamar Chase. Now, as a Bengals fan, I was not excited about that pick. I thought you take your number one overall and you blow his knee out because of bad offensive line play. Why wouldn't you spend the number four overall pick on an offensive lineman? But turns out I am not a good NFL general manager and Jamar Chase is a beast. He's had an incredible rookie season, rookie of the year type numbers coming out of Jamar Chase. This guy is lighting up defenses and he has lit up defenses from uh, Kansas City, from Pittsburgh, from Baltimore. You know, he, he's he's all over the place, uh, just just doing his thing. Joe Burrow and he have a great connection, and they're doing well. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, you got the Rams. The Rams had they were in the Super Bowl a few years ago, uh, but they haven't had a losing season since 2016. 2017, they made the playoffs. They lost in the wild card. 2018, they made it to the Super Bowl and lost. 2019, uh, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were nine and seven. 2020, they were ten and six, uh, won in the wild card, lost to the Packers in the divisional round. Aaron Donald has been Defensive Player of the Year three times in the last four or five years: uh, 2017, 2018, and 2020. These guys are. They, they've built quite a program there um, since that 2016 effort um, when they when they actually that was the first year that they um, they were back in town. So uh, the Los Angeles Rams, this is their first Super Bowl since 2018. Um, they last won the Super Bowl in 2000. Um, the Kurt Warner greatest show on turf. That is the only Super Bowl win in franchise history. And they were actually the St. Louis Rams. At that time, um, there's only been one team actually from the town of Los Angeles or with Los Angeles in their name. That was the L.A. Raiders. They beat Washington in 1984. That was the only time that an L.A. team has won the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was last hosted in Los Angeles in 1973. So it had been in some other towns in California, uh, but had never been in LA since 1973. That was also a bad year for Washington. They lost to the Dolphins in that Super Bowl. Uh, Last Super Bowl played in California was in 2016. 
and that was where Denver uh, and Peyton Manning beat Carolina, which was a shocker. That was Carolina was great that season. Uh, unbelievable game by Denver, but uh, that was the last time that there was a Super Bowl in California. Um, the AFC, which is the Bengals side of this um, this equation, AFC is 25 and 26 in the Super Bowl. So one game below 500, obviously uh, you may have done the math already to determine that the NFC is 26 and 25. So one game above 500, um, the first few Super Bowls were AFL against NFL. So uh, once they merged and became NFC, AFC, it's been 51 years, um, even though this is uh, Super Bowl 56, I believe. Um, anyway, here are some horrible Super Bowl records that no one wants. No one wants to be a part of these records. All right, this has happened two times ever in a Super Bowl. The lowest score is three points. That's happened twice. One of those times, the Rams. Super Bowl 53, they lost to the New England Patriots. 13-3, to that game was in Atlanta. The lowest ever first half score is zero. And that's happened 13 times. One of those was Super Bowl 16, where the Cincinnati Bengals scored zero points in the first half, and they lost to San Francisco 26-21 in Pontiac, Michigan. Three times it's occurred that a team did not score a touchdown at all in the game. One of those times, the Los Angeles Rams. It was the same Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53. That's only happened three times in the history of the game. Uh, most consecutive drives ending in a punt Eight times, eight consecutive drives, eight straight drives ending in a punt. That was also the Rams in that Super Bowl 53 against New England. The team to win a Super Bowl with the lowest number of rushing yards. Also the Rams, Super Bowl 34, that was uh, the 2000 Super Bowl, the Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce Super Bowl, the greatest show on turf, uh, one of the most exciting offenses to watch in the common era uh, was that St. Louis Rams team. And they won that Super Bowl with only 29 rushing yards, 29 rushing yards. They also had the fewest rushing attempts ever in a Super Bowl in that game with 13. So 13 rushes for 29 yards team wide that, and they won that game. There's only been three games where there was not a rushing touchdown score. It's only happened three times. One of those times, Cincinnati against San Francisco. Super Bowl 23, uh, no rushing touchdowns for either team. N no, neither of the teams had a rushing touchdown in that game. Like I said, Rams, this is their fifth appearance. They appeared in 1980. Uh, they appeared in 2000. That's the game they won. They appeared in 2002. And then again, here recently, the 2018 season, the 2019 uh, January Super Bowl. Uh, they've lost to New England twice. They lost to Pittsburgh Steelers once, and they beat the Tennessee Titans in that 2000 Super Bowl. So th that's the Rams. That's their story. On the Bengals side, this is their third trip to the Super Bowl, 1982 and 1989. Those two Super Bowls, uh, Cincinnati was in those games. They lost both of those games, and they lost both of them to the San Francisco 49ers. And i got to be honest with you, as a Bengals fan, watching 
a couple weeks ago, the NFC Championship. I wanted nothing more than the Rams to win. And now that they've won, like, oh, crap. <laughs> they got Von Bell. They've got Aaron Donald. They've got Cooper Cup. They've got Cam Akers. They've got Matt Stafford. They've got a stable of players that would be the best player on their team if they went to any other team. Maybe not Matt Stafford. But these guys are good. Cooper Cup, best wide receiver in the NFL. Aaron Donald, best defensive lineman in the NFL. Von Bell, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. That's who my Cincinnati Bengals are playing for the Super Bowl. Here's the key to the game. Cincinnati, it's about two guys. And it's not the two guys you think. It's Joe Mixon and T. Higgins. Those are going to be the guys that change the game. Everybody's going to watch the Jamar Chase. He's going to have Jalen Ramsey, best cornerback in the league, also playing for the Rams. Jalen Ramsey is going to be all over him. Uh, He is going to be the shadow. He's going to follow him everywhere. Uh, Ramsey is going to follow Chase everywhere that he goes. Chase out wide, Ramsey out wide. Chase in tight, Ramsey in tight. They're just going to shadow all day long, trying to take Jamar Chase out of the game, which opens the door for the best hands in the NFL, T. Higgins. This guy does not drop the ball, and he's strong. He's got strong arms, strong hands. He catches the ball. He keeps it away from the body when he needs to. He brings it in tight when he needs to. T. Higgins is going to have a great game. Now, he might not be the MVP. He might not even have the most yards, but what he's going to do, he's going to distract the Rams. He's going to get open in space and get chunks, 8, 10, 12 yards over the middle, post routes, in routes, out routes. That's where he shines. You know, Jamar Chase is their burner. Jamar Chase is going to be the 50-yard touchdown bomb. Uh, The Cooper Cup plays, that's going to be Jamar Chase for the Bengals, but T. Higgins is going to get open over the middle, get the ball, and keep the Bengals in this game. Also, you got to have Joe Mixon. You got to be running the ball. Uh, you got to. You've got to keep the Rams honest. You can't let them drop eight guys into coverage uh, because there nobody's open. You only have five receivers eligible on any given time. If there are eight defenders out there, nobody's open. So Joe Mixon has to get going. He has to pull linebackers up. He has to pull safeties up. Open up the play action deep post route to Jamar Chase. Open up the play action deep out route to T. Higgins. Open up the play action long drag to Tyler Boyd. That's what Joe Mixon's going to do is he's going to keep the Rams honest and move the ball. Los Angeles. We all know it. The The key to Los Angeles' offense it should be Cooper Cup. It should be Cam Akers. It's not. It's Matt Stafford. This is the biggest game of his career. Obviously, played for Detroit. No one expected Detroit to ever be in a Super Bowl. And they're right. Detroit's bad. That's where Stafford spent 12 of his 13 years as a quarterback. He gets on the Rams. The Rams are good. They have good talent around him. This is the the most pressure he's felt as an NFL quarterback. This is the biggest game he's ever experienced as an NFL quarterback. If Matt Stafford can stay cool under pressure and hit the right guys in stride and move the ball, Matt Stafford could be a key to that offense. Matt Stafford has to get the ball out. He can't get overwhelmed. There's not going to be a lot of pressure. The defensive, the the interior defensive line for the Bengals is hurt. 
if they can get Hawkinson and Hubbard in, in some pressure, uh, it could confuse, it could create some anxiety for Matt Stafford. He could throw some bad passes. If they get turnovers off of Matt Stafford, the Bengals are going to be all over this game, but Matt Stafford is going to be a key to that offense on the other side of the ball which is very important for Los Angeles, is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the defensive player of the world for the last few years. He is the 99 Madden rating superstar. This guy is a huge presence. And the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is slightly, maybe one step better than your local high school team. They are bad. They have injuries to their good players, and their bad players are starting. That's the offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's been the story all year. Um, Joe Burrow sacked nine times against Tennessee. That's the first time a quarterback's been sacked nine times in a playoff game and won. Uh, The guy gets hit. He gets sacked. He gets pushed around. That's not what you want across the line from you as a guy like Aaron Donald. This dude is going to be in the backfield, in Joe Burrow's face, stuffing the run, sacking the quarterback, Aaron Donald is a beast. Aaron Donald on defense, Matt Stafford on offense. Those are going to be the keys to the Rams. Um, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, those are going to be the keys for the Bengals. Uh, I'm not going to pick a a team to win this game, um, but I'll probably bet on the game. And I like the Bengals with the four and a half point spread, but I'm a Bengals fan. Like I said, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, Quick flip over to... The other professional football league, there was some new and exciting news that's come out in the last couple of weeks. I'm shocked. In the United States Football League, the USFL, they're going live just after the NFL draft in April. The Michigan Panthers have hired Jeff Fisher to be their head coach. Jeff Fisher. He did time with the Tennessee Titans. He did time all over the NFL. Jeff Fisher is going to be the head coach of the Michigan Panthers. And, and wait, there's more. Skip Holtz is going to be coaching the Birmingham Stallions. Skip Holtz. So the USFL, they're trying to put together a decent league. The way they're doing it is working. They're bringing in some big-name coaches. Um, they're, they're going to try to grab some attention. They're going to try to bring in some decent talent. I think it's going to be a fun summer football season for the USFL. All right, some interesting things happening in college football. That's right, college football does not sleep. We just had National Signing Day, which is really one of the biggest recruiting days uh, in, in college football. But something that is interesting happening in college football is this year in the power five and I'll throw in Notre Dame there are 13 new head coaches 13 new head coaches for power five schools Uh, in the ACC Duke Miami Virginia and Virginia Tech all getting brand new head coaches this season in the Big 12 Oklahoma TCU, Texas Tech, all getting brand new coaches this year. Obviously, Notre Dame, we heard a lot of that going into the bowl game with Marcus Freeman. Pac-12, Oregon, USC, which we already have heard about with Lincoln Riley, 
and Washington, the Huskies, all three of those teams getting new head coaches. And in the SEC, Florida hired Billy uh, Napier and LSU hired Brian Kelly, which was which was the whole Notre Dame um, saga. Of these new coaches, 13 of them, only six of them have head coaching experience. Um, Miami has Mario Cristobal. He has uh, a 500 record, but he's coached 120 games. Uh, TCU hired Sonny Dykes. He's, again, coached 130 games. He's got a 53% winning percentage. Uh, Lincoln Riley, obviously, at USC, has head coaching experience, 84%, 85% win rate, uh, 55 and 10 is his career stat. Kalen DeBoer is coaching Washington Huskies. He's 12 and 6. Billy Napier is 40 and 12 in Florida. And then, of course, Brian Kelly, 146 wins, 61 losses, uh, almost a 71% win rate. So these are some of the new coaches. Now, here is my question to you. I'm going to put a poll out on Twitter. Uh, hit me up in the comments. Shoot me an email, thatfootballshow at AOL.com. Who's going to have the best season? Now, here's my breakdown. These are the guys that I'm going to put in the poll. First, Marcus Freeman, uh, obviously with all of the things buzzing around Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman. Now, now, what I want to hear from you is why? What What is the best season? Is it the highest ranked team at the end of the year? Is it the best turnaround over the course of the year? Uh, what, what constitutes a good season? So you got Marcus Freeman. He's at Notre Dame. Obviously, he replaced uh, Kelly. Uh, Kelly quit, went to LSU. Notre Dame ended the season number five in the playoff rankings. They were 11 and one. Um, and they've got also Brandon Joseph, who is the number 13 uh, transfer in the transfer portal. He was ranked number 13, strong safety out of Northwestern, replacing Hamilton, who's going into the NFL draft, who's probably going to be a top five draft pick out of Notre Dame at the strong safety position. So you got Brandon Joseph coming in. You got Marcus Freeman, who was the defensive coordinator, stepping up into that role. Um, and as far as I've seen, they haven't hired a defensive coordinator. They've got Tommy Reese, who was a quarterback there for a while, running the offense, who's been pretty exciting to see. So you got Marcus Freeman. The second guy, I think, with a, a question mark is Lincoln Riley. So Lincoln Riley obviously coached great at Oklahoma. Uh, for a few years, he's replacing Clay Helton. Clay Helton was fired in week two. Uh, they had um, Josh Henson stepped up and, and coached for a while, but but really the Clay Helton was was the coach. He was fired. Uh, they were unranked. They ended the season four and eight last year. So Lincoln Riley's got a rebuild ahead of him, but he brought along Caleb Williams. He's saying he didn't bring him along saying Caleb decided to enter the transfer pool in Oklahoma and decided with his family in his best interest to go to USC. And just coincidence that Lincoln Riley had the same path going from Oklahoma to USC. But Caleb Williams, the number one overall uh, transfer in the transfer portal, decides to go to USC. I know, uh, show me your surprised face, but Caleb Williams going to USC, transferred out of Oklahoma. Um, I, Caleb Williams is probably a Heisman contender 
Uh, I don't know if he could beat Bryce Young, but he's going to be a Heisman contender this year, Lincoln Riley. Then you have um, the next coach who took Lincoln Riley's place at Oklahoma is Brent Venables. Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator in Alabama. He's been there a while, and he's taking over as the head coach, his first head coaching job in Oklahoma. Marcus Freeman, also his first head coaching job. Brent Venables, he took over for Lincoln Riley. Obviously, Lincoln Riley quit, went to USC. Oklahoma ended the season number 16 in NCAA. Uh, 10 and 2 was their final record. Uh, they had a good team. They had a good season. Uh, they were surprised. I was surprised that Lincoln Riley bailed uh, to go to USC, but Brent Venables got an interesting setup there in Oklahoma, taken over. Uh, he's had a few guys transfer in. One of them's Dylan Gabriel. He was the quarterback at UCF coming over to Oklahoma, which is good because Oklahoma lost Caleb Williams, but they also lost Spencer Rattler. So they lost both of their, their one and their two quarterback. They brought in Dylan Gabriel, who, you know, UCF has uh, typically uh, a pretty decent quarterback. So Dylan Gabriel coming over, excited to see what he can do. Next one is Oregon. Oregon hired Dan Lanning. Uh, Dan Lanning took over for Mario Cristobal, who left Oregon to go down to coach the Miami Hurricanes. Um Dan Lanning is another one that has no head coaching experience. He has not coached in Division I NCAA as a head coach. But Dan Lanning uh, coming in to Oregon. Oregon ended the season number 14 overall. They were 10-3. and three. They lost two of those three games to Utah, uh, the Utah Utes. So um, they've got an, an interesting dynamic going on. And I didn't know this uh, until I started researching prepping for this show. Bo Nix is transferring to Oregon. Bo Nix was the quarterback at Auburn for four years, I think, um, taking his COVID year, fifth year, to go out to Oregon and play for the Oregon Ducks. So I was shocked Bo Nix going out there, but should be pretty interesting. Bo Nix, number 33 overall in the transfer portal at the quarterback position. He he really runs that historical Oregon-type offense, the the spread, the run and shoot, the, the speed type stuff. That's really what Bo Nix is good for. Uh, could be good for his NFL career too. Getting out of the SEC, show off uh, the legs a little bit out in the Pac-12. We could see some interesting things out of Bo Nix. Last but not least is Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly has had a phenomenal career. He coached in the NFL. He coached in college, coached in national championship games, but Brian Kelly is going into a situation that he's not familiar with. He's going into LSU. LSU was unranked last year. They went six and seven. Uh, they were the worst team in the SEC uh, West, which is their division. They were the bottom of the barrel there. Uh, six and seven is a bad, a bad record for LSU, especially just a couple years away uh, removed from national championship. And we talked about Joe Burrow earlier, Joe Burrow won the Heisman in the national championship in 2019. And now all of a sudden they have Ed Ogeron who resigns. They have off field troubles and moving their coach around and the, you know, the lowest ranking in, in the sec West tough position for Brian Kelly to go into and turn that team around. 
one of the things that they got is Mikai Wingo. Mikai Wingo is the number 12 player in the transfer portal, defensive lineman coming over from Missouri. He is, he's a beast. Uh, he's going to be uh, a new anchor on that defensive line for LSU. Um, a couple things that went the other way for these coaches, Jackson Dart, number three in the transfer portal, transferred out of USC with Caleb Williams coming in. It makes sense. He transferred out of USC going over to Ole Miss. So that's a player on Lincoln Riley that's not going to be on Lincoln Riley's team. Another one, cornerback Eli Ricks. He was the number four player in the transfer portal, transferred out of LSU. Uh, probably one of the best, if not the best, def- uh, defensive backs in the 22 fall season is Eli Ricks. He's going to Alabama. He left LSU going to Alabama. Uh, you have Kingsley, uh, I'm going to butcher this last name, Sumatai, S-U-A-M-A-T-A-I-A. Um, he's an offensive tackle, the number five player in the transfer portal, leaving Oregon, going to BYU. Uh, Mario Williams. Now this is one, another little fun one. Mario Williams, the number eight overall in the transfer portal, leaving Oklahoma, going to USC. So a little uh, tough for Brent Venables, but maybe a little win for Lincoln Riley, getting Mario Williams and Caleb Williams. Last but not least, Max Johnson, quarterback at LSU, out, going to Texas A&M. He's a number 24 overall uh, player in the transfer portal. Now, here are my thoughts on these guys. I think there's nowhere to go but down for Marcus Freeman. I don't think that Notre Dame is going to show back up in the top four and compete for a uh, national championship. I, I think they could end up in that five, six, seven range, which means, in my opinion, that's a little bit of a step backwards, but an incredible first season for Marcus Freeman as the coach, I think he's going to do great things there. Um, here, here's a couple little interesting tidbits that I, I pulled in for you. 2020 recruiting class. So that would have been going into the 2020 season. Those kids are juniors now. Notre Dame had the number 17 class that year. This year, they have the number seven class. So their freshmen coming in are number seven in the country, but their juniors are number 17 in the country. So so he's got a, a decent talent pool, and I think Marcus Freeman could do some interesting things with that talent. Um, next up, USC, Lincoln Riley. Uh, they're, so they were the 55th best recruiting class in 2020. So their juniors are 55th best. Their freshmen are 65th best. So obviously not having a coach all season, recruiting is going to suffer. They fall down on my list. They are the worst in terms of recruiting uh, at this point with the 65th best recruiting class in 2022. I think Lincoln Riley's going to build. I mean, the four and eight record, I think they win six games. They go six and seven, six and six, something like that, where Lincoln Riley's going to have a decent uh, kind of build up season and, and he'll turn that program around. I mean, he's a good recruiter. He's a, he's a good coach. Players like him, obviously a few of them left with him from Oklahoma to go out to USC, two of his best players in Mario and Caleb Williams. So uh, Lincoln Riley is going to have a better, see a building season. It'll be a building probably a couple of years, but Lincoln Riley, I think will will move up and have a pretty good career uh, coming out of USC. 
Brett Venables at Oklahoma. Now, two years ago, 2020, they have the 11th best recruiting class that season, and they have the 8th best recruiting class this season. So their juniors are the 11th best in the country. Their freshmen are the 8th best in the country. Outside of Notre Dame, this is the, the second best freshman class coming in on my list here on these out of these five schools. So Oklahoma, you know, Lincoln Riley's, first it tells you Lincoln Riley's a heck of a recruiter, so he's going to turn around USC through recruiting. But also Brent Menemals has a, ni- a nice talent pool to pull from. Um, I, I would say that this is the second best situation of these five guys for Brent Venables to come into. Brent Venables is an, a mastermind on defense. So coming into the Big 12, if you can stop people and put up 30 to 40 points, which is what it seems like anytime you flip these guys on television in the fall, Big 12's the scoring league. If he can stop people, that team's going to be powerful. I think I think he's in the best situation, and I think that he could probably get Oklahoma into being a top-four team next year, get them back into the playoffs. They got Dan Lanning at Oregon. Um, they were 14 last year, 10-3. and three. I think he's going to have a tough time. He's never coached before. Um, he lost um, lost one of his best offensive linemen. He is bringing in Bo Nix, but uh, as a senior learning a brand-new offense and Dan Lanning trying to figure out what kind of offense he wants to run in Oregon against the Pac-12, um, they have the 12th best junior class in 2020. Their recruiting class was ranked 12, 12th, but in 2022, this year, their freshmen are 25th. So they're the wor- on my list. They're the second worst recruiting class behind you are better than USC 25th best recruiting class in 2022. I think he's probably not a great situation. Um, definitely not as good as what Brett Venables is in, in Oklahoma, um, didn't walk into a, as good a situation as Marcus Freeman. Um, probably a better situation than Lincoln Riley. I think Oregon probably stays as a top 25 team this season under Dan Lanning, uh, but I don't see them as a Rose Bowl team. I don't see them as a Pac-12 champion. Uh, I think they'll they'll struggle to beat teams like Utah again this season. So I think it'll be a good year for them, but they'll probably f- take a couple steps back. Last but not least, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly uh, at LSU. LSU is bad. They had a bad season, but here's here's where it all comes together. 2020, LSU had the fourth best recruiting class. So the kids that are juniors now are the fourth best in the country. And in 2022 class, they were ranked 12th. So Ed Ogeron, even though they knew he was going to resign all season, he still pulled out the 12th best recruiting class, and it probably took a couple of steps forward when Brian Kelly went down there. So Brian Kelly left before the bowl game, two months before National Signing Day, goes down to Auburn, I'm sorry, to LSU, and starts building that recruiting pool and brings them up to be the 12th best recruiting class in the country. I think Brian Kelly has the Obviously, he's got the longest runway. So being, you know, going from a bad team in a great conference, six and seven overall, if he wins 10 games and ends the season ranked 15th, that's going to be a, a huge turnaround. But but I think they came off of a bad season. So is it really a turnaround or is it turmoil getting squared away? So I don't know. 
I'd like to know your thoughts. Hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on email. Let me know what you think out of these five coaches, Freeman, Riley, Venables, Lanning, Kelly, who's going to have the best season this year? Who's going to make the playoffs? Who's going to fall apart? What's happening in your world? What did I miss in my analysis? I'd love to hear from you. And that is it for today's show, folks. Check us out on Twitter at TFB Show. That's that football show, TFB Show. Uh, you can hit up our blog, thatfootballshow.weebly.com. And as always, you can shoot me an email directly and I will reply to you. It's that football show at AOL.com. That football show at AOL.com. Thanks for listening.